Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, December 21st, and we're talking about a class of beaten up tech stocks. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by senior tech specialist Evan New. Evan, how are you feeling going into the holidays? Man, the market's been wild these past few months. It's just nonstop volatility. It's just getting crazy. You got to really buckle up. Yeah, I think that's been the story of 2018, is uh, a lot of big market moves. Certainly a good time to be a long-term foolish investor. But what I really meant, Evan, was how are you feeling going into the holidays? What do you have on your plate for holiday plans? What kind of stuff are you going to be getting up to uh, to be celebrating Christmas and stuff like that? Uh, my parents are coming over holidays, so get to spend some time with the grandkids. But uh, that's about it. Nothing too exciting. Producer Austin Morgan, what about you? What are you getting up to for the holidays? There's so many holiday parties this weekend, it's crazy. <laughs> so then, hopefully, come Tuesday, everything will settle down a little bit, and it'll just be relaced. So Tuesday, Tuesday. the true holiday, yes. is going to be your downbeat. Hopefully, that's my downbeat. <laughs> that's, the, that's the plan. You're living large, man. You're living larger than either of us, I think. Gotta do what you gotta do. I'm gonna peak uh, on Monday and Tuesday. That's when I will be having the most festive, most fun time. Um, yeah, are you returning to your mimosa breakfast that you had last year and our listeners seem to really enjoy. We are. Yeah. My mom liked it a lot. So I guess we're doing it again, which is fine <laughs> by me because she's buying. All right. Well, you can't beat that. Uh, and I, I mentioned the holidays because just as a heads up for listeners, this will be our last show prior to the holidays. We won't have any new episodes going out Monday or Tuesday of next week. We'll come back on Wednesday with something special that we've taped. It's a roundtable discussion with all the hosts of Industry Focus, recapping 2018, looking forward a little bit in 2019. So that's something to look forward to. But unfortunately, if you're driving on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, there won't be any new episodes for you to listen to. You're going to have to just talk to your family, I guess. Uh, I think that's that's uh, the uh, sheer truth. But before that happens, maybe you can just save this episode. You can enjoy this episode uh, as you drive for the holidays. If you're doing that, we're going to be talking about gaming. That's that's what we're getting into today, Evan. And this is kind of a piggyback on what Dan Klein and I talked about uh, last week. Really, is you know, some, it's a hot topic for gifts. It's something that a lot of people focus on. Um, we mentioned Take Two last week. This week, we're going to be talking about Activision Blizzard and Electronic Arts. A lot of the same issues plaguing all these companies. Uh, EA down over twenty five percent year to date. Ditto for Activision Blizzard. Why don't we kick things off talking about Electronic Arts? What's been the story for them this year? I mean, most of these companies have been up actually most of the year. They only really kind of started tanking in the past couple of quarters. Um, there's really just a few, you know, a couple bad earnings releases. Of course, there's a little bit more context to it than that that we'll get into. Um, but, you know, both companies, you know, in essence, issued really soft guidance for the holiday shopping season. And as you mentioned, I mean, holidays are a pretty big time for, you know, buying video games as gifts. And they had a bunch of really, you know, <clears throat> blockbuster releases, all these companies. So it's kind of a busy time for them. And you'd expect them to be doing more. But, you know, their their outlooks were not that great. Yeah, for EA, you backtrack to the summer and shares are down about 45% since then. Uh, I think a lot of investors are probably surprised to see this. You know, over the past couple of years, especially the past five years, the, the chart for this company has just been up and to the right. It's been one of the most consistent performers in a space that a lot of people have a lot of expectations for, right? You know, esports is this trend that we continue to hear about. Right, and for for EA, the big thing for them was they delayed the launch of Battlefield Five, which was one of their kind of core franchises. Uh, they said they made 
to to make some last minute adjustments, but they also wanted to kind of distance themselves from. You know, there's a few other AAA titles that released in October, including <clears throat> Black Ops Four, Red Dead Redemption Two, which you probably talked about with, when you were talking about Take Two, as well as Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So all those good games came out in October. So it's just it was just jam packed, really competitive month in terms of these releases. So I think they kind of wanted to distance themselves from that. But then that kind of inevitably leads to lower guidance because they're obviously not going to be making as much money during the quarter. Yeah, and I think that that's what really rocked the stock is the look forward for their financials weren't looking as rosy as maybe investors had expected. Um, when you're talking about releases of what should be a pretty hotly anticipated title, uh, it comes down to maybe more a matter of timing than actual revenue. Um, unfortunately, you know the market's just going to ding the stock because they have to go with what management's giving them as guidance. Um, this this title Battlefield Five is I think is is pretty important for them because you know you look at EA over the past year or so and there's been a bit of controversy with this publisher. There are a lot of purists in the video game space that aren't super thrilled with them. Right. So they've been grappling with the fallout from this loot box controversy all year long. I mean, it's it's just been this overhang. And as a quick refresher, uh, they released Star Wars Battlefront Two last November, but the game relied very heavily on microtransactions where players were expected to buy these loot boxes with randomized virtual goods in them to progress in the game and unlock all these things. And the whole situation even attracted the attention from regulators and lawmakers around the world because a lot of people think it's essentially a form of gambling. And you have a lot of kids playing these games and it's just a really it's kind of predatory in a way. And the whole situation even led Apple to implement a new policy on iOS where developers are required to disclose the odds behind loot boxes in mobile games. And in-app purchases are, are a pretty huge part of mobile gaming, so had pretty you know <clears throat> broad effects there. But it's just created this like massive backlash among gamers, and it really hurt EA's brand. And they've basically been apologizing for it all year long. Then, ironically, they apologize for it, but then they still put loot boxes in a different game, uh, FIFA 19. It's a soccer game they released in September. So, not really sure if they're learning their lesson, but they are now under criminal investigation in Belgium uh, over the practice because the uh, <coughs> country considers loot boxes to be a form of gambling, and EA isn't complying with the local laws around gambling. Yeah, and I think a lot of investors probably look at something like microtransactions and digital sales, and they say, well, this is something I want to see. I know this is high-margin business. I think the reason that so many gamers push back is it uh, it kind of ruined the skill-based and experience-based elements of the game. It allowed for progression in a way that uh, could kind of be bought rather than earned through gameplay. Right. I, mean, I think there's also a pretty big difference where you know, most people are pretty familiar with it in, in the context of mobile or you know, the freemium model, you know, companies like Zynga you know, kind of took off. You, know, you offer the game for free. And then you kind of monetize through these in-app purchases. You know, maybe only two to five percent of your players will actually end up paying, but then they'll end up paying quite a bit. But the big difference on these these big console games is you're paying sixty bucks for the game up front, and then they're also expected to to pay all this money out of pocket for these in-app you know, you know virtual goods. And so, some of these things are crazy expensive. I mean, you can spend easily you know multiples of sixty dollars buying this stuff in the game so I think that's kind of you know compounds the the perception issues with why gamers really don't like the practice when you know these console developers are trying to implement the same type of strategy that mobile developers can get away with you mentioned the books and looking at how management has been treating this delay uh, for this upcoming holiday quarter they indicated sales would be about 200 million lower than analyst estimates and the story with management's guidance and then the company's performance throughout 2018 has been 
management lowers guidance and then ultimately winds up beating it. And I can understand why the market is concerned with all these blockbuster games. You know, Take Two has Red Dead Redemption, Activision has Call of Duty. But when I see this huge slate of video game releases, I think this is just kind of par for the course. I think this is what people should expect. And there's no mutually exclusive element to that. Uh, to, to my point earlier about it being more a timing element of revenue than anything else, I don't know that I'm super worried about how crowded this space is. I, I think that the company getting over the hurdle of microtransactions and kind of restoring gamer faith is a little bit more important. Right, I definitely agree that a small delay isn't going to be you know, a, a deal breaker, in my opinion. Here, but at the same time, there are other kind of cracks that I think investors are worried about. Um, you know, EA has been really trying to push their digital revenue, uh, which is also, as we mentioned, this like this in-app stuff, <laughs> all these virtual things that that all contributes to their digital revenue. And digital revenue is growing, but the growth is decelerating quite a bit. I mean, it was up. Net bookings were up like eleven percent last quarter, but that was uh, I, I forget the, what it was come down from. But you know, point being that growth is decelerating. Uh, they're also having a little bit of trouble getting players to sign up for these live services. You know, a lot of games nowadays, they, they try to be like, like this online experience all the time, but then they also want you to subscribe to these different types of services. And, you know, they did reduce their guidance for live services revenue and now only expected to be like flat up 5%. They said that uh, on that FIFA game that players have been kind of slow to sign up for the services there. So there are definitely some other challenges that they're facing too. There is one ace in the hole for this business, and this is this upcoming release of this title, Anthem, and this should be debuting in early 2019. And if you're looking for a good sign, I mean, obviously, Battlefield 5 sales are super important for this stock, but if Anthem is a hit, that gives them another tentpole franchise to work off of. And just seeing the lifetime value that some of these video game franchises have, you know, that, that to me is such a big boost to this stock looking to 2019. And, and given the company's track record, I, th- I think that there could be something strong there. I think Anthem looks really good. I'm actually planning on buying it, assuming that they don't you know, botch the rollout or launch with crazy <laughs> in-app purchases. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and hopefully they won't. Although, to your point earlier, maybe they haven't learned their lesson quite yet. Um, turning our gaze over to Activision Blizzard, also down about 25% year-to-date and down over 40% since highs hit in October. So this is a pretty precipitous fall that's happened pretty recently. Um, the story isn't super different. Uh, it has to do with their financials. I mean, the slump for Activision was really brought on by earnings that missed expectations uh, rather than providing poor guidance in the case of Electronic Arts. But I don't know that the revenue and earnings misses are huge deals when you look at the maybe the more concerning problem of user declines, because this seems to be how this company is being judged now, Evan. Right. So I think the overarching you know challenge for Activision here is that some a lot of their core franchises are seeing <clears throat> um, you know user numbers going down. So I mean they report monthly active users, and they have three different kind of segments. They have King, which is um, an acquisition they made back in 2015 for six billion dollars, the maker of Candy Crush. They have Blizzard, and then they have Activision, and all three of those segments are seeing you know their user numbers decline a little bit. So I think that investors are a little worried there um, because I mean th- this is a company that historically you know they used to have World of Warcraft. I mean they still have World of Warcraft, but you know that's one of the things that they're known for, which is a hugely successful subscription based online gaming business. Um, but of course now there's a lot more other stuff in the mix. And to put some some uh, numbers to that, the company had 345 million engaged users compared to 384 million a year ago and 352 million in the previous quarter. A lot of those losses, like you said, are coming from the King segment. Um, 
I've never been a huge fan of that segment personally. I've never been a fan of King in general, <laughs> and I I didn't really like the acquisition because I thought it was quite a bit of money for uh, you know a mobile game publisher that it was really concentrated on that one Candy Crush game. I mean, they do have a bunch of other games, but it's really all about Candy Crush and mobile gaming platforms in general are just so intensely competitive and users are so fickle that they move on to the next thing so quickly. It just seemed like a lot of money, in my opinion. And, I mean, to be fair, Candy Crush is now five years old. Um, and the company did say that users on Candy Crush are still stable and up. But I think you are seeing other signs of you know player fatigue, which you see their total user numbers you know coming down. So it shows that their other games are not really doing that well. Yeah, and, and that is a big, big chunk of that overall... Uh, monthly active number. King is 262 million. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge chunk. Um, I have a lot of the same feelings about mobile gaming that you do. I think the switching costs are a lot lower. People generally aren't paying for games up front. I think that makes it a lot harder to build these really flagship franchises that so many of these gaming companies have really built their business on. Uh, I just don't like that business quite as much. The, the good news, I think, if you're looking at Activision Blizzard, though, is Overwatch, one of its main titles, is still incredibly popular, although it isn't growing the way it used to. Right. So, on the, on the last call, they said that players were flat sequentially. And earlier this year, they had said they have about 40 million players. So, that's about where I would expect the player base to be. But yeah, it's not really growing. So, even though it is still a pretty popular game in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, investors like to see growth. Yeah. And where I think a lot of people probably had some expectations, too, is with their Destiny 2 expansion. And that doesn't seem to be going particularly well. Right, so they launched an expansion for Destiny Two uh, during the quarter, and they admitted you know it has not achieved our commercial expectations. Uh, so they're still working on trying to kind of re-engage with that core fan base around the game. Uh, so even though Destiny players were up on a sequential basis, it's pretty clear that overall sales, in terms of how much money they're making, are, is not really meeting up to their expectations. Uh, Black Ops Four was also released in the quarter and also did help bring you know users. You know, has some, created some user growth there. Uh, they had a pretty strong launch in October, and the, I think the launch weekend did about 500 million in sales. Yeah, so there are some signs, uh, you know, to be positive about, to be optimistic about. Um, particularly, also if you look over at some of the user metrics, while the total count might be dipping, the engagement looks pretty good. Um, they hit a new record with 52 minutes per day, like up from 50 uh, minutes per day uh, as a past record. So there's some stuff going in the right direction for this business. Um, maybe running into some of the same snags that EA is. And, and the thing that we haven't really talked about yet with the gaming space is the fact that uh, I think over the past 12 months or so, we've seen this emergence of a type of game that neither of these businesses immediately had an answer for, and that's the Battle Royale segment. Right. The Battle Royale genre has just exploded. I um, mean, Fortnite's kind of the big one there, which I think now has 200 million registered players. The uh, Epic Games, who makes Fortnite, said in August that they have they had about 80 million monthly active users. And so, I mean, for example, that's to compare it to Overwatch, that's double the size of Overwatch already. And Fortnite was launched about a year ago, but there's also other games like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Uh, and these games are just becoming so incredibly popular. I mean, for example, I have a fifth grader, and even she tells me how popular it is at school. Like all the kids, and these are elementary school kids, they're just all obsessed with it. And it's just blowing up everywhere. So, you know. EA and Activision have been kind of slow to to kind of get on that bandwagon. Uh, they have now, to be clear. So both Black Ops 4 and Battlefield 5 have these Battle Royale modes. 
but that was literally just kind of launched within the past couple of months. So it's, it's too, you know really too early to call on whether or not they're going to see success by getting on that bandwagon. Yeah, I've had a very similar experience. My cousin's kids are about the same age as yours kids, uh, Evan, and all they talk about is Fortnite. It's either they're playing Fortnite or they're watching someone play Fortnite on YouTube because their mom, my cousin, has decided that they aren't allowed to play anymore Fortnite. So it is this all-consuming thing. And for any listeners out there that maybe haven't seen or heard or interacted with this, um, this is the stuff that you see uh, you know all these dance moves that are coming out. You, you, see, you see all these NFL players, all these soccer players doing these dance moves as like you know a celebration for scoring. Those very often are Fortnite dance moves, and they're getting sued now for dance moves over the dance moves. Yeah, and so they have they have cribbed <laughs> some dance moves from some very popular. Uh, I think Carlton from Fresh Prince yeah, of Bel Air. That, that, that was the recent one. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so so it's this very weird way that uh, video games have kind of entered pop culture, um, and it has been. Unavoidable. I mean, Fortnite has been absolutely everywhere. I know Activision Blizzard is making some efforts to create battle royale versions of some of the games, you know, and allow for that type of gameplay. Because I think if there's a story from 2018, it is the way that battle royale has just taken over the gaming space. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a total cultural phenomenon right now. It's just like you mentioned, it's everywhere. So whether or not that proves to be sustainable, like a long term trend that people just really love or if it becomes this fad i mean we'll just have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see and you know i play video games a little bit evan i know you play video games a little bit but i think of the three people currently in the studio i'm going to include austin morgan in here our producer austin morgan probably plays video games the most so when you look out at the video game landscape what are you most excited by and how do you feel about our more academic discussion of these video game publishers I don't know anything about the backstory of the publishers and companies or anything. I just know that there's like four games I buy a year. It's either any Rockstar game, like GTA or Red Dead. I buy the new NHL game, MLB The Show, and whatever Battlefield game comes out. And I think that speaks to the value of these franchises, right? These are repeat purchases for oh, you, Oh, yeah, Austin. for sure. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I haven't bought the new Battlefield Five yet, and... That's because I was playing Red Dead, and I didn't even realize it came out because I was just playing Red Dead. But I got an email to buy it for 50% off, so that might be a, a sell for me. <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas to you. Look at that. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's really unbelievable the value of these properties and the way that they continue to pay dividends. I think similar to uh, the value of the sports contracts in the cable space, the value of creating sports games in the video game space is there for these publishers because these are recurring purchases. You get the updates with the new players, new logos, teams, everything. Uh, and it's something that the people that are in the know want to have every year. I will say the one game I'm, in particular that I'm excited about that hopefully will come out next year is Last of Us 2. Uh, Last of Us is by far my number one favorite game of all time. And they're working on number two. They haven't announced when they're going to release it. But hopefully, that'll, that that if it does come out next year, that will be another big kind of storyline in, in video gaming. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the ignorance card here. I have no idea what that is, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Google it. It's worth the Google. <laughs> um, all right, is is that what's on your holiday list? You know, what's the gift that you hope for this year, Evan? Uh, we, we don't 
do we actually do kind of Hanukkah and Christmas. Uh, so we don't really, my wife and I don't give each other a lot of gifts. So we just focus on the kids and we've already had Hanukkah. So they already got all their, all their big stuff. We got my daughter an iPhone eight for, for we, we got it on a promotion for T-Mobile. That, that was her big gift for the year. <laughs> oh man. I wish I was your kid. That's, that's better than anything <laughs> I'm going to be getting. I'm getting all these practical gifts. Uh, Austin, what about you? Anything you're expecting under the tree? I have no idea. It's a surprise. <laughs> well, you're going in blind. Yeah. That, that's a like, good what do you want? And I was like, I have no idea. Surprise me. <laughs> it's more fun that way. I was going to ask you what you got Kara, but I realized that we're taping before Christmas. And I don't want to reveal. There's no way present. she listens to the show. No <laughs> <laughs> Even if, you know, by some off chance she does listen, I don't want to ruin the surprise. That's fine. She's She does not listen. <laughs> <laughs> then she is like my girlfriend and almost everyone in my family. <laughs> Um, well, I hope both of you guys have awesome holidays. And listeners, I hope all of you guys have awesome holidays, too. Like I mentioned, we'll be back with some episodes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week after Christmas. Uh, and then I believe Jason Moser is going to be taping a show uh, on Monday of the following week. We'll be taking New Year's Day off and then back with our regularly scheduled programming after that. So you can look forward to industry focus in 2019. Evan, thanks for hopping on today's show, man. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays. Austin, thanks for all you did in 2018. I was trying to think of something clever to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You have the power to decide whether that makes it into the show, but I really hope it makes it into the show. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. Uh, if you want to reach out to the team, questions or comments, you can find us at industryfocus at fool.com or at mfindustryfocus on Twitter. If you want more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or you can catch videos of the podcast over on YouTube. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show. The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work in 2018. He's been an all-star. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening. Fool on. Okay.